Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering you to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway Pierce. To all of you, my name is Speedway, and thank you for taking the time to join us for another episode of the Speedway Show, where we are talking about successful relationships and idea exchange for a different kind of conversation about what makes relationships tick. Now, as you can tell by this title, This is an adult program, so if you have young ears around, please use your discretion. Uh, You can catch this or any other past show at any time by visiting the website blogtalkradio.com slash speedway and scrolling down to the on-demand shows. Join in the discussion and check out the shows on your own time on the fan page, The Speedway Show. You can follow the show on Twitter at the handle, The Speedway Show. And if you'd like to follow the show in the meantime, you can do so by just clicking on the blue icon under my picture that says follow on the website at blogtalkradio.com slash speedway. And you will receive future show updates. The topic today is if they don't touch... Is it cheating? So you know the scenarios, right? Uh, Let's say, for example, he is on the Internet looking at images or videos of women or people having sex, but he's not physically with them. Or maybe she is talking to her long-lost high school or college friend or first love in a chat room or online at a social media website, but they haven't made any effort to meet just yet. Or even maybe uh, he or she is uh, out with the gals or out with the guys and they are um, checking out some, you know, a strip show or some ladies dancing on poles. And at the end of the day, the question is, if there is no touching, is it really cheating? Now, this is not a new topic in the world of relationships, and I think we have seen an increase in the um, level of the profile of this topic in the dawn of the Internet age because the Internet has made it so much easier for people to access, all of us, to access information, images, and data that we didn't have the same level of access to before. So once upon a time, you had to actually go to a um, an adult store or an adult club or gentleman's club if you wanted to see the kind of stuff that is now brought into your home 
uh, courtesy of the Internet. So the question has increased, and perhaps unfortunately from what I hear, um, <clears throat> when I talk to counselors and pastors and people who um, deal with couples, is that actually this issue has become uh, more of an issue now because we have easier access to tools that we did not have before that make it easier for us to get at it. So one of the things that I did for this show is I asked my Facebook and Twitter friends the question, and I also collected other comments from around the web. And what we're going to talk about today is I'm I'm going to share with you some of the questions and some of the answers that um, came from the web. And uh, we're going to also take a look at our life manuals because, as we know, and as I as I have said in past episodes, the thing that makes this relationship show different from other relationship shows is the fact that we do take a look at our life manuals and use them as the barometer by which we uh, create a standard. If any of you would like to call in and share your thoughts and your ideas, please feel free to do so. The number is 877-560-6033. Again, that's 877-560-6033. So we will start with one of the questions um, that I picked up on the Internet. The question was, is it cheating if you have cybersex via a webcam? Okay. Do you think that it is considered cheating if you or your spouse, without the other spouse knowing, have cybersex on webcam with another person? In other words, masturbating together on camera. The first answer to this question was, I think it is cheating. He says he don't think it is because you aren't physically doing anything with the person. What do y'all think? So, I'm guessing that this was a woman who was saying she thought it was cheating and perhaps her partner was saying he didn't think it was cheating because there was no physical contact. The second answer was, yes, it's cheating. You are still getting sexually involved with another person. If my future husband did that, I would not let it go lightly. Sex is more than physical intimacy. It's also a spiritual, mental, and emotional union between two people. It's nothing short of cheating. Your husband's definition of sex being only physical is messed up. The third answer was, I would say so. It's cheating because you're flirting with the other person and masturbating and having cyber sex with this other person online. I would consider it cheating because you should do that with no one other than your boyfriend or girlfriend. The fourth answer, it is cheating. If he was just looking at porn sites, I would say no. But actually having cyber sex with someone else is most definitely cheating. So the reason I picked this particular question is because you see the gradations of what is and isn't cheating. So you have everything from 
cybersex is cheating. Cybersex is not cheating because you're not touching. But then you have these other things that would be considered cheating or not cheating. So you've got one person who is thinking, well, um, if uh, it were not a situation where they were masturbating, if this was, if if this individual was just looking at porn sites, then it would be okay. But because he is actually having cyber sex with someone else, even though they're not touching, then that is cheating. I also happened upon an online poll of 9,376 people. And these folks were asked, has pornography hurt your marriage? And 31% of them, or 2,977, said, yes, it has. The largest number, 6,039, or 64%, said it had not. 2% said it had hurt their marriage now and then. So by that, I'm not sure what that means, but I would kind of infer that maybe there were circumstances and situations where there might have been flare-ups and discussions over somebody using pornography in the household, and maybe these issues had been addressed. Um, And 1% of the people who were asked were not sure. So interesting numbers, and um, take them for what they are, because, of course, this is one of those areas where people are less likely to either have accurate information, because, after all, um, if pornography was inclined, to hurt your marriage, you might not necessarily know about it because it's one of those things that your partner might be doing in secret. So for the people who said yes, I would guess that these were people who evidently have um, situations where they either caught their partner or they knew that their partner was engaged in pornography or maybe these are even couples that had done it together for a while. And then when one partner decided it was not really fun anymore, which sometimes happens, then the other partner might have continued on with it, which then made it a problem. And um, then it became a derisive issue within the marriage. Now, to uh, get us started with our clips, because if you've listened to the show before, what you know is that I tend to like to use clips to illustrate the point that we are um, discussing. So today, I'm going to start us off with a clip of a couple in trouble. Now, this clip comes from an excellent movie called Fireproof. It was directed by Alex Kendrick, and it stars Kirk Cameron, Erin Bethea, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, and Ken Bevel. The fight you're about to hear is between Caleb Holt and his wife, Catherine. Now, you will notice that they do have a number of issues that they are dealing with, but notice how uh, the issue of pornography sneaks into the argument that they are having. Take a listen. 
You have breakfast already? Yeah. What'd you eat? I had the last bagel and a yogurt. Are you planning on making a grocery trip soon? Caleb, you work 24 hours and then you're off for 48. You've got more time to go than I do. Hey, I just asked you a simple question. You don't need to get smart with me. You could at least save me some breakfast. Well, I never know when you're coming home or going out. You don't tell me these things. Catherine, what is your problem? Did I offend you by walking in the door this morning? No, you just can't expect me to work every day and still get the groceries while you sit at home looking at trash on the Internet and dreaming about getting your boat. You chose to take this job. And no one said you had to work full-time. We need the income, especially since you took away a third of your salary saving for a boat we don't need. You've got $24,000 in savings, but we have things in our house that need fixing. Like what? The back door needs to be painted, the yard needs better landscaping, and I keep telling you I want to put more shelves in the closet. Those are called preferences, Catherine. Those are not needs. There's a difference. If you want to spend your money on that stuff, go ahead, fine. But I've been saving up for my boat for years. You're not taking that from me. It's so pointless. I don't have time for this. Yeah, shut the door on your way out. Well, that is probably pretty um, emblematic, I would say, of the kinds of issues that arise in uh, a marriage. You are listening at this time to the Speedway Show, and our topic today is if they don't touch is it cheating? We are discussing the different forms that some may consider infidelity and some, as we have already heard uh, from the views on the Internet, uh, may not consider cheating. How do you know that it is cheating? If you have an opinion, give me a call at 877 560 again, 877 Five six zero six zero three three. Now you just finished listening to a disagreement between Caleb and Catherine as they are arguing about a variety of things, and you notice that in addition to this pornography issue, there is a communications issue between the two of them, because Catherine is complaining that Caleb doesn't let her know when he's coming or going, and for context, part of the reason for that is because Caleb is a firefighter, so he doesn't have a standard nine-to-five job. He goes out when he needs to, and evidently there isn't a lot of appropriate, uh, or at least there isn't enough communication going on within this marriage about his comings and goings. You hear them arguing about division of labor, which is a whole other topic for a whole other day. And the issue that Catherine is having is that she feels like she works more than he does, and he, meanwhile, is sitting around at home uh, watching porn and dreaming about a boat that he has socked away a fair amount of money for, and she feels that that money could be better used around the house, which gets us into financial issues, which are another hot button that often plagues uh, people's relationships. Then they're disagreeing on necessary repairs, what has to be done around the house, what are preferences for things that could be done around the house, 
And you notice, of course, that part of the issue is they have separation of assets. So he's got money that he has been saving for his boat, and he has no intention of sharing that money with her, nor does he intend to use it for any household items because he's been saving up and dreaming about his boat for years, and he is just determined that his wife will absolutely not be taking his dream away from him. But all of that aside, you notice how she manages to sort of get in almost as just a dig the fact that he is um, coming home and he is spending time, instead of doing work around the house, he's spending time looking at porn on the Internet, and she obviously does not appreciate it. So I was wondering, as I was preparing for this topic, let us see what the Life Manual has to say about this topic. If they do not touch, is it cheating? Now, um, as I said earlier, one of the things that makes this show so different from other relationship discussions is that we use the life manual as our guidepost for these discussions because you have to have some sort of standard and a consistent one would be the best kind by which you measure your life. So if you're wondering what a life manual is, it is the life it is a manual that comes with your body, your mind and your spirit. Just like when you buy a television or a computer, it comes with a manual and the manual tells you what to how to use the product. It tells you how not to use the product. It gives you warnings. And it also gives you troubleshooting guides for when you have uh, unexpected problems. And the life manual is exactly the same thing, except it is um, the manual that is designed for your life. And it tells you what to do, how best to live your life in order to maximize the effectiveness of it. It tells you what not to do in your life. And it also gives you troubleshooting guides in case you run your life off into the ditch. Depending on your preference the and, and your spiritual persuasion, your life manual may be a Hebrew Bible, it may be a Christian Bible, it may be the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, or some other holy writing that speaks to you. Feel free, if you would like, to give me a call and share with me what your life manual is. or if you happen to be on the site, I do believe you can just send me an email too. Now, while expressed in different ways, the underlying truths about living right and living a godly life tend to be the same as articulated in these various life manuals. Now, if you don't use a life manual, uh, that's okay, too. And uh, that's something, if you choose to call in, you can share with us as well. Because this is a forum where all are welcome and our focus really is on the things that we share in common that bring us together because you can go anywhere and listen to people talk all day long about the things that make us different. But the goal of this show is to be the safe haven where we can exchange ideas respectfully about what we believe. 
So what does the Life Manual say about cheating and not touching or cheating in general? Well, there are all sorts of interesting stories about adultery and cheating in the Life Manuals that I took a look at. Um, I did have to dig a little bit to find instruction on cheating where people haven't actually touched. So some of the things that I found were uh, pieces on cheating in general, and others were cheating and not touching. So the first life manual I took a look at was the Quran. And actually, it just so happens that it's it's actually pretty easy to find passages and instructions on the Quran if you uh, take a look at a search. And so I thought, well, gee, well, I wonder what the Quran says about cheating. And uh, I happened upon a succinct explanation from the World Health Organization Regional Office for the Eastern Mediterranean, which explained the Quran. Now, while it focused on adultery, in other words, presuming that the couple in question is married, you can apply this to any relationship that is supposed to be monogamous because the effect of cheating is the same. The World Health Organization article described it like this. Islam and indeed all divine religions outlaw adultery and block all the roads leading to it. So that would include any activity, this is me talking now, that includes any activity even if it doesn't involve physical contact, right? So for those of you who might be wondering why cheating is such a big deal, the World Health Organization article explained that this way. Adultery, or in our case cheating, inflicts considerable damage upon family genealogy, honor, and future generations, and causes numerous family breakups as well as the disintegration of the ties that bind family groups together. It brings about an oppressive spread of licentiousness, leading to a total moral breakdown. All this explains Islam's strong condemnation of adultery, which is only matched by its condemnation of drinking intoxicants. Now, I have to stop there because I read that and I thought, hmm, licentiousness, that's an interesting word. Uh, I wonder what that means. And so I did look it up. And for those of you who might be wondering what licentiousness is, uh, it is uh, defined as the quality of being lewd and lascivious. So there you have it. Now, continuing on with the uh, Quran's explanation, you know, the Quran has a uh, prohibition against adultery, and it simply reads, do not commit adultery, for it is foul and improper. This is the Quran 17.32. And for those of you who read other life manuals, that statement might sound actually pretty familiar. So continuing on with the explanation from the World Health Organization, it says, Islam's general approach in forbidding any action is not limited to its verbal condemnation, but always entails closing the doors that may lead to committing it. For this reason... Islam forbids men and women meeting alone privately or in seclusion. It does not allow wanton mixing of the sexes, 
forbids lecherous gazing at the opposite sex, looking at those parts or other people's bodies, which Islam requires to remain covered in public, and the excessive display of physical beauty of adornment. So when I read this, I thought, oh, if you've ever wondered why some women who practice the Islamic faith cover themselves from head to toe, it is at least in part to avoid unnecessarily enticing men in ways that might lead to uh, temptation for cheating or wanting to cheat. So here's the final part of the World Health Organization's commentary that I thought was actually pretty interesting. Islam does not simply forbid adultery, but considers it a crime as well, proposing a stiff deterrent punishment for it. In the Quran we read, as for adulterer and the adulteress, flog each of them 100 lashes, do not have any pity on them with regard to God's injunctions, if you truly believe in God and the last day. And let their punishment be witnessed by a number of believers. This is the Quran at 24.2. Well, there you have it. That's what that life manual has to say about cheating. And at the end of the day, I guess the main point is, touching or not touching, it is destructive. To the extent that the life manuals prohibit cheating in all its forms, it's not to curb anyone's fun, as I read it, but really to avoid the destruction and the damage to the relationships that happens when one's partner is unfaithful. Now, remember our couple, Caleb and Catherine, who were having the knockdown dragout fight uh, in the clip we heard earlier. Now consider the words of Catherine in this clip as she is explaining to her mother why Caleb's watching porn is such a problem for her. Take a listen. Mom, I don't know what to do. I know you always told me to hang on during the hard times, but... You don't know what I've been competing with. And when he looks... And he doesn't even know it. When did I stop being good enough for him? It's the Speedway Show, and our topic today is if they don't touch, is it cheating? And we are discussing the different forms that some may consider infidelity and some may not. How do you know it's cheating? If you have an opinion, give me a call, 877-560-6033. So in that clip, what you heard was the explanation for why, at least from the wife's perspective, the... Uh, her husband, her husband's acts of watching pornography are such a problem for her. And that really resonates with what we just heard earlier about um, from the World Health Organization in their explanation of why the Quran is so adamant and so vehement in its prohibition against cheating in all of its forms. 
So here's another, our iconic question for the day from the web. And the question was, if they don't touch, is it cheating? So here's one answer. I think it's disgusting, and yes, it is cheating. Touching has nothing to do with it. Jesus said, if you think on a woman and lust after her in your heart, you have committed adultery already in your heart. From your heart comes the truth. So yes, it's cheating and it's also perverted. The second answer was, the cheating is the heart, mind, and soul first. The body is not the most important part of it. Talk about trying to abide by the letter of the law while totally ignoring the spirit of it. Here was answer number three. There is no correct answer to this. Cheating is defined by the two that are in the relationship. You set the rules to what cheating is. Answer number four. Think of it this way. If it's something you wouldn't do in front of your spouse while they were standing there, then yes, it's cheating. Would he do it while you were right there next to him? Question, uh, this is the fifth answer. It depends on how you see it. Swingers are obviously cheating on each other, but I very much doubt that they see it in that way. You define the boundaries of cheating. If you don't like it, tell him not to do it. Uh, Answer number six. I think it's the sane way of getting off without indirect contact. Plus, it's cleaner and no one gets hurt. Answer number seven. Mm, Not really cheating. Just slimy and low class. And the answer that was considered the best answer on this particular website said this. There are different types of cheating. There is physical cheating and emotional cheating. Emotional cheating is when the person seeks the gratitude and appreciation of another individual. A lot of men and women cheat to find something that they are not getting in their relationship. If they don't get much sex or stimulation, they will seek it elsewhere. If they don't feel like their significant other gives them enough appreciation, they will look for someone who swoons over them. In other words, yes, it's cheating. Physical in a sense because body parts are being exposed, but mainly emotional. And if it's happening on the computer... Who's to say it won't happen off the computer? Now, I also happened upon a really good article, well, a really good series on about.com that had a particularly good commentary on emotional affairs in particular. And what they said was, an an emotional affair generally starts innocently enough as a friendship. Through investing emotional energy and time with one another outside the marriage relationship, the former platonic friendship can begin to form a strong emotional bond which hurts the intimacy of the marriage relationship. While there are those who believe that an emotional affair is harmless, most marriage experts view an emotional affair as cheating without having a sexual relationship. Emotional affairs are often getaway affairs leading to, I'm sorry, gateway affairs leading to full-blown sexual infidelity. According to MSNBC, about half of such emotional involvements do eventually turn into full-blown affairs, sex and all. 
for some individuals, the most hurtful and painful consequences of an emotional affair is the sense of being deceived, betrayed, and lied to. An emotional affair is when a person not only invests more of their emotional energy outside their marriage, but also receives emotional support and companionship from the new relationship. In an emotional affair, a person feels closer to the other party and may experience increasing sexual tension. If you believe that a person's emotional energy is limited, then if your spouse is sharing intimate thoughts and feelings with someone else, an emotional affair has developed. Although cheaters are often guilt-free in an emotional affair because there is no sex involved, their spouses often view an emotional affair as damaging as a sexual affair. Much of the pain and hurt from from an emotional affair is due to the deception, lies, and feelings of being betrayed. Interestingly, they thought they would emphasize that twice now. A platonic friendship can evolve into an emotional affair when the investment of intimate information crosses the boundaries set by the married couple. An emotional affair is opening a door that should remain closed. One of the differences between a platonic friendship and an emotional affair is that an emotional affair is kept secret. A third difference is that people involved in an emotional affair often feel a sexual attraction for one another. Sometimes the sexual attraction is acknowledged and sometimes it is not. Well, so here we have our um, first probably uh, or second um, objective explanation for what an emotional affair looks like, what it feels like, and why it is a problem even if the people are not touching. And this takes us to our third question off the web. And the third question is, is going to a strip club cheating? And the first answer was, think of it this way. Would you want your girlfriend to see other guys' penises but not do anything? The second answer, and actually that person used a different word, but I used the biologically correct word. But the second answer was, if your lady friend says it is, then it is. I'm surprised you haven't learned this yet. The third answer, if your PP wasn't inserted, it wasn't cheating. The fourth answer, personally, I don't think it's cheating. If it's all in good fun and you're not banging chicks at the bar, it's fine. But after all, It all comes down to what your girlfriend thinks. And the winning answer, or at least the the answer that was considered the winning answer on this website was, and on a personal note, I would say it is, even if you didn't actually have any intentions of having any sexual contact whatsoever. Now, against the backdrop of these answers, let's take a look at another life manual and uh, At this point, I'm going, well, okay, two life manuals, the Christian Bible and the Hebrew Bible. The obvious passage in both is the seventh commandment, which mirrors what we heard in the Quran earlier, which simply says, do not commit adultery. 
As an interesting starting point with the Christian Bible, I note that in the Bible, Jesus has some things to say about adultery, and he also has some things to say about uh, cheating without touching. Take a listen. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. But if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Well, okay. That is what the... Um, New Testament in the Christian Bible has to say about cheating and adultery. And you hear that it also addresses, that particular passage also addresses cheating where touching did not occur. In fact, it addresses cheating that is simply looking. Um, In Job, I noticed in the Old Testament, which would be reflected in the Hebrew Bible, uh, Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. And in Proverbs 6.25, it says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. So there is a fair amount of admonition that we find in our life manuals against simply looking. Looking, looking, looking. And um, speaking of which, uh, this is a good time for you to take a listen to another clip from our friends uh, Caleb and Catherine. You have breakfast already? Yes. What'd you eat? I had the last bagel and a yogurt. You planning on making a grocery trip soon? Caleb, you work 24 hours and then you're off for 48. You've got more time to go than I do. Hey, I just asked. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong clip. I was looking for a clip that I thought I had and it was misnamed. So never mind. We're not going to listen to that clip. But what you see here is the idea that we should not even tempt ourselves with looking or thinking about another outside of that primary monogamous relationship. And uh, so far the phone lines have been quiet, but if you have an opinion, give me a call, 877-560-6033, 877-560-6033. You can really est- extrapolate that concept um, when we're thinking about uh, how far does cheating go and it, it, it does it stop, it does it start at touching. 
Um, and, you know, it really, uh, the concept of cheating as we are seeing it um, addressed by these various sources really suggests that cheating is anything that takes our focus away from that primary relationship, whether it's pornography, uh, whether it's chatting intimately with someone at work or online, or anything that takes some part of the intimacy away that we should be sharing within that primary relationship. And the reason it matters so much is because, of course, as we've heard, it leads to developing intimacy in someone or something other than your committed relationship, which is, of course, where your focus and your attention should go. Now, we're going to switch to a different aspect of this topic and uh, get us to, and to get us going, I'm going to play yet another clip of a man who is, um, well, this is actually a a woman who is, uh, this is Catherine, and she is talking about uh, where she is because, of course, as it turns out, she has been uh, having her attention taken up by somebody at work. So, what's been going on in your life these days? We haven't talked in a while. Oh, it's been one of those years. Oh, good or bad? No, I hate to say it, but mostly bad. Mm. You know, when you get to a fork in the road and you know that either way you go is going to change your life. Life does give you some of those. Excuse me just a minute. So, have you decided which path to take? Um, I think so. It's hard not to second guess yourself. Pardon me, I don't mean to pry, but does this concern relationships? It does. Catherine, you're so young. I would encourage you to make your choices carefully. I'm trying to. I'm also tired of feeling empty. And it's so nice to have someone treat you like they really care about you. Forgive me, but you're talking about a certain young doctor, aren't you? I suppose it's no secret as much as he and I talk. I couldn't help but notice how you act around each other. But I also wonder how your husband would feel. My husband has had his chance. Dr. Keller is a good man. He treats me better than my husband has treated me in years. He listens to me and makes me feel important. I haven't felt that way in a very long time. It's always good to have that, but... But, sweetheart, if this doctor is trying to woo you while you're still married, what makes you think he won't do that with someone else? <clears throat> I don't think I want to talk about this, Anna. I'm getting a little personal. Oh, Catherine, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to overstep my bounds. I need to go. It's good to see you, Anna. Well, we are here on the Speedway Show talking about cheating. If they don't touch, is it really cheating? 
give me a call if you have an opinion, 877-560-6033. So let's say that you're the one who is doing the watching and perhaps struggling with pornography. Maybe you're the one who is talking with someone at work or on the Internet or engaging in any one of different activities that you might think might be problematic. How do you know? Here are nine signs that um, I picked up from uh, around the web for how you might know that you have a problem. Why nine instead of ten? Well, because there were nine good reasons, and I thought nine would be just fine and um, didn't really want to make up a tenth one, just so I'd have a round number. So here they are. Number one, you are walking on cloud nine and giddy in ways you haven't been in a long time, and it's because of this other person or activity. Number two, you find yourself spending emotional energy daydreaming about your friend more and more. Or maybe you can't wait until you get to your computer so you can check the websites to see what's new or revisit your favorite images. Number three, whoever or whatever you are engaged in is causing you to withdraw from your spouse or from that primary relationship. Number four, You find that you no longer need the emotional or sexual intimacy from your significant other. Number five, you are spending less and less time with your spouse, and you don't mind because your mind is on this other thing. Maybe you reason that your significant other, as Catherine was, maybe is hard to talk to and doesn't really try to understand you. Maybe they attack you or belittle you or ignore you or treat you in any number of negative ways that cause you to withdraw and seek comfort elsewhere. Maybe you justify your behavior because of the love you aren't getting from your primary relationship. Number six, you lie about the time that you are spending talking to your friend. You hide the fact that you are spending hours on the computer and where you are going on the computer. You cannot share this activity with your significant other. Number seven, You are turning to your friend to confide in rather than your spouse. Your friend understands you so much better than your spouse. Or perhaps you find solace in your activity to dull the pain of your relationship. Number eight, perhaps you find some sexual gratification or stimulation from your other friend or activity. And number nine, You find yourself looking for reasons to spend time with your friend. You find reason to give your friend personal gifts. You look for time to get away together. You start getting on the Internet in different places to avoid detection. Or maybe you're going to a different part of town where no one is going to recognize you. So these are some of the signs. And what what you hear in these signs is that actually there is a measure of compassion that must be had in situations like this because quite often this is a situation where perhaps you have someone who is lacking something. Their needs are not being met. They might be in pain because of the breakdown of that primary relationship. So there is always, in all things, a measure of compassion that should be uh, aimed at situations such as this. In thinking about this topic, I also thought, well, you know, it might be interesting to see 
what experts have to say about this topic. We've listened to some of the answers and the questions that uh, lay people have had, so I took a look for some expert opinions, and here's what I found. Shirley Glass, author of Not Just Friends, Protect Your Relationship from Infidelity and Heal the Trauma of Betrayal, said, The new infidelity is between people who unwittingly form deep, passionate connections before realizing that they have crossed the line from platonic friendship into romantic love. Infidelity is any emotional or sexual intimacy that violates trust. According to Dr. Gale on MSNBC, it's easy to deny the seriousness of an emotional affair, but it can be extremely threatening to a marriage. And Peggy at DearPeggy.com said, If there is ongoing interaction with someone with whom you have been very honest in sharing your deepest thoughts and feelings, this can generate a feeling of closeness that stimulates even more sharing and more closeness and on and on. Eventually, this relationship can become extremely close and an emotional attachment develops causing serious damage to the marriage, whether or not it ever becomes sexual. So let us uh, switch to solutions in the last portion of our discussion today. And um, we'll, start to, uh, we'll start by listening to a clip that really kind of sets up the um, reality of situations such as this. And uh, this is a man who is struggling with quitting. So that right there at the end was the sound of Caleb pounding away at his computer, having thus decided that he was done with his addiction. And interestingly, I hope you caught in that clip the notion that actually um, cheating can also involve uh, other things that are not even people, like gambling, like alcohol, like drugs. 
And um, all of those things suck away the invested emotional and intellectual and spiritual attention that one can pay to one's primary relationship. So what do you do if you find yourself in an emotional affair? Well, the first thing to do is you have to make a choice. At the end of the day, it all boils down to a choice, and you have several. Number one, you can choose to return to your primary relationship and stop having the emotional affair or engaging in the activity that was threatening your primary relationship. We heard Caleb doing that just now. Number two, you can keep doing what you've been doing, understanding that continuing down that path may lead to the end of your marriage or your primary relationship. Number three, you can proactively end your primary relationship and continue what you've been doing. If you are switching partners, you might want to consult a professional before doing it because it appears in much of the published literature on the subject that relationships born out of that kind of situation have a really high failure rate. If you choose to stay in your primary relationship, then there are all sorts of things that you can do to start rebuilding, and perhaps the most important place to start is to seek the advice and help of a professional who can help you through the difficult repair process. Maybe it's a psychologist, maybe it's a counselor, or some other qualified mediator who can help each of you address your issues with the problem. If it's not a situation with another person, let's say it's a habit or a pastime like pornography or a recreational preference like going to strip clubs, you may or may not need professional help, but it's a call that each person should make based on the situation, right? And finally, there were some suggestions that I picked up for how to improve your primary relationship to reduce the likelihood that you're going to have these kinds of issues to start with. No doubt most of you listening to the show will have all sorts of ideas of your own, but here are just a few. Uh, number one, plan on living a balanced life with one another. Number two, have dates with each other and create ways to have fun together. If you missed the show, take a listen to the show on uh, career versus relationship. Can they coexist? And you will hear uh, a real-life practical application of how one man who is juggling many, many jobs manages to keep the jobs going and uh, build and sustain successful relationships with his wife and each of his three children. That was Dr. Eric Winston Walton who was uh, talking to us that day about how to make that work. Number three, do not let irritations build up. Learn how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Uh, sounds simple, but actually that is one of the ways that marriages, in my um, experience, uh, tend to get derailed because people don't learn how to effectively resolve conflict, and so it builds, and 10 years later it's so big that, um, boy, it's just too much to fix. Number four, communicate on a daily basis with each other. Talk about practical issues, plans, events, and personal feelings. The little things that you talk about are as important as the bigger issues. Number five, talk about the relationship. Don't wait until counseling. Uh, your expectations, your resentments, your misunderstandings, your cultural and other fundamental differences, if there are some, your disappointments and your hopes. 
It is an unfortunate thing how often couples do not talk about these things to the detriment of the relationship. Number six, talk about your sexual needs, your fantasies, your preferences, and your desires too. Often this is viewed as a Tab, as a taboo subject, even among married couples, who may fail to communicate and therefore not meet each other's sexual needs, which then may lead to a partner seeking fulfillment someplace else. Number seven, as important as sexual needs are other needs in the relationship. There are many, many, many books out there on this topic. One really good one is The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, which suggests that there are five ways that people experience love, and understanding and speaking your partner's love language is the key to a successful relationship. Number eight, be supportive of one another. And number nine, show respect for each other. This seems like a basic thing, but how often have you witnessed or experienced your partner taking you for granted? Please and thank yous might fall by the wayside with familiarity, and people treat their coworkers with more respect than the people in their homes that are closest to them. So this now brings us to the end of our show for today, and hopefully we have taken a look at this topic from a different and refreshing point of view. To all my listeners, thank you so much for joining me on the Speedway Show. If you would like to follow the show, you can just click on the blue icon under my picture that says follow. Uh, look out for the Speedway Show website that is going to be announced in the very, very near future. I'm very excited about that. And uh, tell me what you thought of the show. Post a message on the Facebook fan page, The Speedway Show, or send me a tweet at my handle, The Speedway Show. Everyday people... Everyday lives, you do not have to be a celebrity to be a guest on the show because all of us have everyday joys and challenges in our relationships. If you would like to be our guest, send me a note from the Facebook fan page, The Speedway Show, uh, or you can send it to info at thespeedwayshow.com. Join me next week for another episode of The Speedway Show. And until then, this is Speedway saying... Go in peace and have a phenomenal week. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.